All right, we're in Zechariah chapter number 5. Zechariah chapter number 5 tonight. We've seen Zechariah's first five visions, which were encouraging ones of hope for the future of the Messianic kingdom. I mean, that would be exciting, wouldn't it? You're looking forward to Messiah coming, and the Jews were. They were wanting Messiah to come, and they got to thinking about the Messianic kingdom, and, and that's a, that was a, a good topic for them. These next two visions in this chapter reveal, though, some relentless destruction. They concern the judgments that will come upon Israel as well as the rest of the world before Messiah returns in glory to reign from Jerusalem. You won't see much grace here, what we're looking at tonight. Um, A true kingdom of God cannot exist without justice. And the scripture reveals that the Lord, when he takes up his reign, He's going to rule with a rod or a scepter of iron. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. Now, this is what we're talking about tonight. It's going to happen before that time. Revelation 12 and Isaiah 9 both allude to this. Revelation 12 verse 5 says, And she, she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Speaking of Jesus. And her child was called up unto God and to his throne. In Isaiah 9 verse number 7 Prophecy related to the Lord Jesus of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now tonight we look at uh, the vision of the flying roll. Understand the roll is a scroll. It's rolled up. The flying roll. Let's take a look at the first four verses and we'll come back and take a look at this. Okay, Chapter 5, verse 1. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold a flying roll. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I answered, I see a flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits, and the breadth thereof 10 cubits. That's a gigantic scroll, by the way. We're talking about 34 feet by 17 feet. Uh, 20 cubits by 10 cubits is is equivalent to 34 by 17 in our uh, uh, way of looking at it. He says uh, in verse number 3, Then said he unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. For every one that stealeth shall be cut off, as on this side according to it. Every one that sweareth shall be cut off, as on that side according to it. I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name, and it shall remain in the midst of his house, and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. We'll leave off reading there. But we see Zechariah turned from what he had just seen. Remember the last thing we saw, he saw two olive trees. In other words, the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. 
But this time, Zechariah plainly identifies what he sees without asking the angel. Remember, uh, the, the, uh, he's asked the angel, what am I looking at? And well, here, in verse 2, the angel asked him what he saw. Anyway, even though he didn't ask, he just said, you know, I, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a flying roll. He knew what a scroll was. He saw this uh, uh, gigantic roll or scroll. And Zechariah identifies what he sees as that. And the dimensions of what he sees is astounding. It's 20 cubits by 10 cubits. Now, what is the significance of the scroll's measurements there that we find in verse number 2? Understand that numbers have great significance in the scriptures, okay? And uh, I just want to give you a little, uh, by the way, okay? Uh, our Wednesday night Bible studies on biblical interpretation, we will be looking at biblical numerology more toward the end of the series on biblical interpretation, but we will cover that at some point near the end of the study. So this is just a taste tonight because I need you to understand how important these numbers are. According to the book uh, Biblical Mathematics by Ed Velo, the, the number 20 stands for redemption. You know, Brother Ed? Got the book? Okay. All right. Amen. A good book. Uh, the number 20 stands for redemption. And just one example of this, he writes, and I'm quoting from his book, uh, which is in my, it's in my uh, library there too. He says, The males of the children of Israel had to offer a ransom for their souls at the age of 20. In connection with this ransom, 20 giras are mentioned in Exodus 30, verses 12 through 14. The money that was given for their ransom was silver money. Silver is also a symbol of redemption. So you got the number 20 associated with redemption, and so is silver associated with redemption. Now, regarding the significance of the number 10, Dr. Below writes this. He says, as the basis of the decimal system, 10 has been a significant number in all historical ages. This is a number of testimony. Think about it. God's testimony, the Ten Commandments, right? Ten Commandments to, to man for him to bear testimony before God and man. There were ten plagues upon Egypt and Pharaoh during the, the days of Moses bearing testimony of who God was. Amen. Uh, they, he, he said, I know not the Lord. And, and, uh, and uh, he said, I'm not going to obey him because I, I don't know him. Well, Ten plagues later, um, he, he kind of knew God a little bit better, didn't he? And then um, Abraham, if you remember, uh, prayed for ten righteous people within the wicked city of Sodom. If you could find ten, that would be a testimony, uh, but there was no ten to be found. Certainly no coincidence, though, and I like this, and, and you might, might want to write this down. I'm not going to have you turn to it. I'm going to quote it. First Kings 6 and verse 3. And that's uh, talking about Solomon's temple where the law was read aloud. It had the very same measurements as the scroll that Zechariah saw. It was 20 by 10. At the porch before the temple of the house, I'm quoting 
1 Kings 6.3, the porch before the temple of the house, 20 cubits was the length thereof, according to the breadth of the house, and 10 cubits was the breadth thereof before the house. So we should take notice of these measurements because they are mentioned here. And so it appears that this flying roll or scroll, I'm going to call it a scroll, okay, flying scroll, uh, demonstrates the testimony of redemption, okay? One, one is, a test, is testimony, other is redemption. It's testimony of redemption. Think about it. The angel, though, we're going to see there in verse 3 and 4, gives a different perspective to this flying scroll. <clears throat> we see the meaning of this flying scroll in verse 3 and 4. Viewing these two verses, we see no, there doesn't appear to be any redemption, no salvation, no grace, only utter destruction. In fact, that's, uh, that's what, what uh, is verse 3 and 4 is talking about. Destruction. Um, now, why is that? <laughs> how, how are we to understand this that appears, at least on the surface, to be a contradiction? I want you to get this because it's important. This testimony of redemption, after it having been rejected, becomes judgment unto destruction. I'm going to say that again, okay? The testimony of redemption, after having been rejected, becomes judgment unto destruction. Now, what we see here <clears throat> uh, really follows along with, turn to John chapter number 3. <coughs> there we go. I, I coughed, maybe get it out of the way and we'll go on. <laughs> John chapter number 3. <clears throat> I know we're familiar with this passage of Scripture, but I want you to see this because it, it, it goes right in line with the testimony of, of redemption being either accepted or rejected. And uh, when you reject it, you got condemnation. Uh, verse number, John 3.16, we all know it by heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have ever lasting life. There's the redemption. Amen. And For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. There's the testimony of redemption in those two verses. And here we see in verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Judgment <laughs> unto destruction, condemned already. Amen? Uh, look at verse 19. This is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Can you see the, the, that uh, um, it's being rejected there? And being rejected leads to destruction. Look at uh, verse 21. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, what we see here is this, uh, uh, what we're talking about in action. Understand that the law of God and the testimony of redemption is a two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword. Uh, that that which was intended to be a blessing, and that's what redemption is intended to be. 
We don't deserve eternal life. We don't deserve having our sins forgiven. We don't deserve being cleansed. We don't deserve heaven. None of that, do we? We don't at all. Um, It's intended to be a blessing to us, the Lord Jesus Christ coming and shedding His blood on our behalf. It was intended to be a blessing. Now, the law law of God and testimony of redemption is a two-edged sword, though. That which was intended to be a blessing is turned into a curse because of unbelief and disobedience. You only get the blessing if you believe. You don't believe, you get the you get the curse, and and that and that's sad. Um, Proverbs three thirty three says, "The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just." Again, that was Proverbs three thirty three. Look at Isaiah chapter number twenty four, <clears throat> Isaiah twenty four, and we're gonna. We're going to see the time, that period that this is talking about, <clears throat> that this prophecy is associated with, and it's associated with this, really the same, uh, this same prophecy uh, uh, that Isaiah is bringing forth in, in Isaiah 24. <clears throat> and uh, we know it is a tribulation period, okay? Um, look at uh, Isaiah 24. And this is the uh, prophecy concerning the coming day of the Lord. Verse number 1. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Now, now I'm going to pause there. The context here shows a destruction brought on by men's sins. Okay, It's not a... This is not a prehistoric judgment of God. This is talking about a future a judgment of man's sin. Verse 2, And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, as so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. What's he saying? Everybody's involved in this. Okay, Those that are left behind, who rejected, had not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, are left to go through this time. Verse 3, The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. <clears throat> the earth mourneth, and fadeth away, the, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. Talking about the, the, the proud, the proud and haughty. Verse 5, the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. How did he get defiled? Because of man's sin. Okay. So, but notice what it says, because they have transgressed the laws, there's a testimony, They've transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth. They that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. Now, um, to avoid the wrath of that day, as well as the great white throne judgment, uh, to come, one must do the will of God. 
what is the will of God? Well, Jesus told us what the will of God is. In John 6, verse 40, he says, And this is the will of him that sent me, talking about his heavenly Father, that everyone that which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Doing the will of God entails believing the gospel. That's what it entails. Now, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter number 5. Revelation chapter number 5. <clears throat> and we're going to see the, the, the Lamb of God uh, when His day begins. The day of the Lord. Okay. Um, Revelation 5. Look at verse number 1. And uh, John is seeing this vision. And... He says in verse number 1, and he's talking about who he's seeing here. He's, he's, he's seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. He's seeing the Lamb of God is who he's seeing. He says, And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within on, on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereupon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, there's the authority and power, amen, and the, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. What did he prevail over? He prevailed over sin. He prevailed over death. He prevailed over hell. He prevailed over Satan. Amen. And he says um, <clears throat> there in verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth, into all the earth. Uh, submission to God's will and redemption will is what we see right there. God wanted him to, to come be the redemption for us. And the Lamb obeyed his heavenly Father. He submitted to the will of his heavenly Father and became that redemption to him. Verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne... And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. And here, notice three reasons he's worthy. Number one, for, for thou wast slain. Here's number two and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And here's number three. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And have beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's a lot of thousands. Amen. Uh, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor 
and glory and blessing. Now, what do you think about uh, what's going to happen with those that have not given him that honor and glory and blessing? That's what's fixing to take place here. And verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and under the earth, uh, on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, uh, A blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne uh, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. That's the... That, that's the, um, what's going on, had gone on in heaven. This is a, a view of, of the future when uh, the, these uh, uh, judgments are going to be poured out on the earth. We look at chapter 6, verse 1. And I saw the lamp, Jesus, open one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one, one of the four be saying, come and see. And, and you, I'm not going to read all of these seals as they're opened, but, but the Lord, Lamb himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the one that's worthy to open the book and uh, the scroll, and he does. He, he opens the seals upon this scroll. Now, uh, the Lamb of God has, has made uh, um, uh, redemption and salvation possible for all of mankind. Uh, now I want you to look at the, the response when the wrath of the Lamb falls on mankind when the sixth seal, notice the sixth seal, we will take a look at this one, down in verse number 15 through 17. Seal number six <clears throat> brought on by the Lord Jesus Christ, open up that sixth seal. <clears throat> verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For Notice, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? This is the time that Zechariah was looking toward uh, in uh, the, the, the prophecy that he saw. Now, <clears throat> the Lamb was made redemption and salvation. Uh, and he made it possible for all of mankind. Think about it. Anybody could be saved. Now, whosoever will may come. Anybody and everybody could come. He made it possible. And, but those who rejected him are going to be, uh, at the time that he comes uh, to receive believers, uh, they're going to be left behind, the, the, those that are un in unbelief, <coughs> when Jesus comes in the air to receive or to rapture believers. And I believe that time is soon. I'm praying, even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, when the testimony of redemption is rejected, the Lamb of God rightly rejects those who rejected Him. Nobody can point a finger and rightly point a finger and say, well, He's, he's being unjust to me. No, He provided what you needed. He provided what you needed. And He brings forth judgment instead of redemption and forgiveness at this point. 
Okay, he brought the redemption of forgiveness at his first coming. Uh, here, and when he uh, uh, opens these seals, he brings forth uh, the judgment on those who have rejected him. Just as Zechariah lifted up his eyes and saw in verse 1 of our text, we must also dare to lift up our eyes and see sin as God sees it. Amen? Uh, we, we just really need, need to do that. And uh, we live in a world where it seems like every sin um, and every perversity is not only allowed, but it's made light of. And yet, by and large, the Word of God is rejected. And because His gospel and His Word are rejected, listen, His judgment is righteous. There's no, there's no injustice to be found in our Savior. When God's judgments are poured out over the earth world, the, the Word of God will be unrolled or opened with the only measure or standard by which the Lord will judge. Everything, including the judgments contained in the Holy Scriptures, will be fulfilled. All that I just read will be fulfilled. It's going to happen. The seven seal uh, judgments, we just uh, saw the beginning of that. When you get down to the seventh seal, when it's opened, it opens up the... Uh, uh, seven trumpet judgments, and then those are followed when the seventh trumpet is sounded, the seven vile or bold judgments come forth. All of this known as the wrath of God. How do you know that we're not going to be here for this? Because God's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain mercy. I mean, and we have. Praise, praise the Lord for that. Then, you know, Think about for just a minute somebody going through that, the seven years of tribulation. Um, and then in the end, I mean, the, the continued rejection, if they continue to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, and many will, there's going to be some that will be saved during the tribulation period. I, I do know that. But, but those in the end who have continued to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Revelation 20, and verse number 12 is going to happen. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. One of the books that will be there is that flying scroll. Okay, The, the, the Word of God uh, will be there to take and to, uh, for, for men to be judged by. Mankind, listen, man will not be asked for his opinion of the day in which he lived. You know, people want to give, give excuses. Well, I'm this way because these are the times the way that, that, that things are in this day in which we live. We're not going to be asked uh, for uh, opinion. Uh, man's not going to be asked for opinion, I should say, uh, on the day in which he lived or the about prevailing trends of the day in which he lived when he stands before Christ in judgment. Books are going to be opened, and the books of men's works will be there. And the fact, very fact that they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, they lived in unbelief, where the truth will be uh, staring them in the face. Um, it will be shown whether or not 
this individual standing before Christ was obedient to God's word. God's word is the only standard that applies, which is why Zechariah saw this scroll um, that was so large, no human hand could hold it. Could I, could I tell you that the word of God is, God is larger than any man? It's, more, it's larger than all of us put together. Uh, no, none of us could hold that. It symbolizes God's infallible word. It's what it symbolizes. Zechariah saw this flying scroll that united both heaven and earth. And it was God's heavenly word of judgment upon, upon the earth. The, the curse, remember he, he said there, uh, this is the curse in verse number 3 of our text, chapter 5, verse 3. So he said he unto me, this is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. Um, uh, I'm glad that Christ took our curse. Amen. That's another reason I know we're not going to be here when this, when this takes place. Um, because He took our curse for us. But the Word um, of God was given here uh, to, to show the way of salvation and, and forgiveness of all who believe the message of it. However, for those who continually reject it and do not repent, Listen, it will become a curse and will lead to their being judged. The judgment during the tribulation period is going to affect all of the land of Israel, but it will also affect all the nations of the world. The curse or the judgment of the flying scroll covered the entire land. No one could escape it. Um, as, uh, as we think about uh, who will be in power in that time, the Antichrist is spoken of in 2 Thessalonians 2 and uh, verse 10 and 12. Uh, it talks about those uh, that were deceived by him with all de deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Then uh, verse 12 says that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God is completely righteous in what he does here. Those who do not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ will be judged according to it. Um, Paul said this in Romans 2, 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, let's think about how the two phrases used here in chapter 5, verse 3. Look back at chapter 5, verse 3 again. How it sums up the Ten Commandments written in on the two stone tablets. Um, uh, chapter 5, verse 3, really, it appears to only cover two of the commandments, but I want to just show you how it ties it to the whole thing, Okay. Look at verse 3 again. Then said he unto me, This is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. For every one that stealeth, okay, thou shalt not steal, right? Shall be cut off as on this side according to it. And every one that sweareth, don't bear, bear false witness, right? Uh, shall be cut off on the other side. You don't, uh, don't want um, uh, to take and to deal with... Uh, um, messing up with God's law, do you? Um, but think about the Ten Commandments. Everyone that stealeth and everyone that sweareth. 
What about the first commandment, Exodus 20, verse 3? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How is that stealing? It's stealing uh, that which belongs to God alone. Stealing allegiance to God. Allegiance is His. He said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Um, what about the second commandment in Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6? It says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Well, <clears throat> a graven image steals God's glory. It steals the worship that belongs to God alone. You're worshiping an idol rather than worshiping the one true God who is spirit. What about, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain? Well, you've got stealing and swearing there. <laughs> Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. When, when we don't keep the Lord's day holy, we're stealing the Lord's day for ourselves. And swearing. So is, we're saying it's not the Lord's day. It's my day. I'll do with it what I want to do. Okay? Uh, honor thy father and thy mother. Well, that's stealing honor that the Lord gave them. He, he commanded us to honor our father and mother. So if we don't honor them, we're stealing the honor that belongs to them. You, you see what I'm saying here? Thou shalt not commit adultery, stealing from your spouse, and also stealing from the other person's spouse if they've, if they've gotten one. Thou shalt not steal. Well, duh. <laughs> I think we can figure that one out. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Well, that's stealing the truth and swearing falsely. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, etc. Well, that's theft in the heart, isn't it? When you want something somebody else has got, you are you are basically uh, have in your in your heart and in your mind. You're you 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 you've you've stolen it in your heart, and you're swearing falsely that God hasn't provided for you. <clears throat> God's not taking care of your needs. So what we see, we see lies that 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 are taken so lightly today. Uh, they're going to be judged relentlessly by the Lord. Listen to the end. Revelation 21, 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You say, well, Brother Jerry, we've all lied. Yeah, we have. Jesus took our judgment though. Yeah. He, he took our judgment. Um, our, our judgment was our, our lying was uh, abused in him it was, it was taken out on him Revelation 21 27 there shall in no wise enter into it talking about the new Jerusalem anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life aren't you glad your name's written there. Hope that your name is. If your name's not written there, you need to make sure that you get it in there before it's everlasting too late. During the revelation of the Antichrist, who, by the way, personifies lies, um, who is he after? He's after the workings of Satan, and we've seen recently in some other messages that Satan is a liar and the father of it, right? We, we've seen that. And 
Many people, including the Jews, will believe his lies while forsaking and denying God. 2 Thessalonians 2.9, talking about the Antichrist, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Lying wonders. And people are going to believe the lying wonders. People have seemingly gotten away with sinning for a long time. But soon, time is going to run out. The day will come when all that is hidden will be revealed and judged by God. Those who do not believe on Jesus Christ will be condemned according to God's law. Uh, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, verse 9 and 10, talking about how the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. He says, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient for the ungodly and for sinners, for holy and uh, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, that's what the law was made for. To show man his exceeding sinfulness and have him turn to the one that gave the redemption and gave the ability to escape the wrath of God. None who are caught up in the day of the Lord will be spared from His divine wrath that's going to be poured out on this earth and its inhabitants. It will arrive like an uninvited guest and will remain in that night of great distress. It will consume, uh, as kind of like what verse 4 says there toward the end, uh, it will consume the timber thereof and the stones thereof. <laughs> um, uh, the, the Old Testament instructed that a house contaminated by leprosy, which is a type of sin, leprosy is a type of sin, was to be destroyed that exact way. Listen to Leviticus 14, verse 45. And he shall, break, he, he shall break down the house, the stones of it, and the timber thereof, and all the mortar of the house, and he shall carry them forth out of the city into an unclean place. Thank God, all of us who have repented of sin and believed the gospel have had our sin judged in the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Surrendering one's life to Christ by turning from one's sin and believing the gospel is the only way to avoid God's judgment. It's the only way. The forgiveness of sins is only found in Christ. Love Hebrews 8.12 It said, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. What a blessing. Amen. So if you don't know the Lord, it's time to get to know Him. Amen. If you do know Him, it's time to get busy telling others that they need to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Because I think we're right on the verge of folks that are alive today, some that are alive today could be caught up in the mess of uh, being left behind because they don't know Christ. And caught up in the terrible time that we talked about tonight and that the Bible reveals. And nobody wants to do that. Okay? People need the Lord. They need Jesus in their life. Let's get the gospel to a lost and dying world. Let's pray. Father.